actually working from my bed today. <laughs> oh, are you sick? No. Um, so there was a crazy tropical storm yesterday oh. and like Houston flooded really bad. Oh my God. Yeah. So I didn't want to go to the office today. Just like there was debris on the road. And so I've just been working from bed all day, which has been pretty enjoyable. <laughs> so it's like a pajamas all day kind of day. Yep. Yep. That's, That's I so really just... I only changed out of my robe to get presentable for this <laughs> for this podcast recording. I love it. I'm honored. I'm, yeah. I'm honored that you feel, felt that I was worthy of more than a robe. I would have enjoyed <laughs> the robe. I would have been fine with it. I, I when I first started working for myself, I and working from home. I don't know if you had this like. I had to be like, Michelle, like you need to shower. You need to yeah. put clothes on that isn't your pajamas. Like I've worn, my pajama bottoms have holes worn in the butt. <laughs> and pretty much every single pair of them because that's how much I like would wear them all day. <laughs> all right, guys, I'm here today again with Jacob Medina, which by the way, Jacob, yours, everybody loved that episode with you. I feel like people really love you. And I think that they're going to be excited that we're talking again. You don't know how excited I am to be back for a second time. Uh, I like have been obsessively listening to your podcast. Um, and I was like, yes, let's do another one. I can't wait. I'm so excited. Like number two. I love it because I feel like me and you are just going to just have like a legit conversation. It's just about all the things like and not just talk about whatever we freaking want to. And you did say there's yeah. some things you wanted to talk about. But um, for, for context for everybody, uh, Jacob is Jacob Medina interior design recently rebranded well, yep. rebranding in the next couple of weeks by the time this goes live. So it used to be Jacob Medina design soon to be Jacob Medina interior design. Well, it was Medina design. So it was just my last name. Oh. And I felt a lot of people didn't know who I was as like my first name. Like everyone knows me as Jacob, right? That's my person. That's who I am. That's my yeah. persona. And so I felt it, as Medina designs, things were getting lost they were unclear if it was a graphic design team or what. So I was like, let's focus on having my first name in there and then interiors or interior design. So like, it's very clear what I'm doing for someone. Yeah. And that's why I kind of focus on the rebrand and like new website, new logo, all of that. Go on. Who are you working with to do the rebranding? Uh, so I've actually worked with two teams. So I had one team, um, Justin Page Wood. He did my logo. So he focuses on like minimalist logos for interior designers, architects, things like that. So it's like perfect. And I'm pretty modern minimalist. So I felt that was really uh, a good fit. And then Bunker 58, um, her, the owner's name is Valentina Gomez. They're actually doing the construction of my website. Um, they were in a networking group that I was a part of and she got really good reviews. So I decided to work with her. And they've been kind of helping me with that process. Well, congratulations. Who did your website before? Was it you? Me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I downloaded WordPress professional and I was like, let's figure this out, plug away. And, and I did, it's a, like, it's okay, but it looks to me amateur, right? Like it, I mean, I'm not a coder. No. I don't know how to do that. And yeah. it looks immature. I was like, I've been, I have to pay someone to do this. It has to be done. Right. Yeah. So wait, what platform is it being built on? I decided to go with WordPress. So I talked yeah. to a ton of people and they felt that WordPress was the best platform. Um, I know that a lot of people have different opinions. I chose WordPress because like with space, Squarespace, right? 
if you create a square, a Squarespace website, if you try to transfer that, say, to um, Wix or WordPress, you have to start all over. Like none of that code transfers. Versus with WordPress, you can take the source code and either put it in a different template or put it somewhere else. I've, everyone said it was much better long-term. Yes. That I could continue to evolve the website gradually. So I thought that long-term it would be a better investment. So I so chose... same, yeah. I basically did the same thing after doing my own research three years ago when I was trying to figure it out. And yeah. well, and when I, when I was doing it three years ago, there was a lot of um, these websites that hadn't created responsive templates. So it was a lot different. It's four years yeah. ago now, three and a half years ago, whatever. Well, it was anyway, doesn't matter. Um, but it was the same thing. And I, it did seem like if for long, in the, in the long run, if you wanted to create something that was more flexible and it, you could be much more customized if you needed it to be. Yeah. But I do feel like sometimes it's like, it, it was a, it was a learning curve for sure. Yeah. There was a whole period of like when I built my site, which I'm sure you went through where, and I bought a template, but it was still a learning curve, man. It yeah. was in depth. <laughs> WordPress is not as intuitive. Well, actually that's not true. They've recently changed um, their platform a little bit. And it's a little bit more intuitive, intuitive than it was three years ago. Whenever I made my website, they have a lot more, I guess, um, widgets or something that you can just quickly add in mm-hmm. to develop the website. Like they can easily add in quotes and videos and, um, different text formats and stuff. So I was able to update it like maybe a year ago or eight months ago to make it look a little bit more professional, but I still thought it looked um, amateur, I wanted to update it. Yeah. Cause you worked with Curio Electro, right? For your copy. Yeah. How was that? Oh, I loved her. I loved yeah. them. They were amazing. I'm so happy with the work that we did. Yeah. And she gave me like a list of other things that I should do. And I've, I've kind of slowly implemented some of them. I haven't done mm-hmm. them all yet, but no, I was really happy. She's the one who came up with my new tagline, which I thought I um, love the come home to amazing. Yeah. Like I just felt like it fit me perfectly. Like I thought they nailed yeah. that. And, um, but no, I, I think they're amazing. And I, it was, it was really interesting because there was like it, she really kind of sits with you and goes through this process of asking you questions that really make you think. And I thought that those were really key questions to be asking myself that I really yeah. didn't do before. So even just for everything she learned, and she also talked to three of my clients. Wow. Yeah. Which was really, really cool. So basically what she said was, you know, of all your clients, pick the three that are like the most ideal of the bunch. Mm -hmm. And, um, I want to talk to them. So she got kind of some feedback from them. She got like, why, what did they love about working with me? She pulled like, it it was really cool. And I thought even that in itself was hugely valuable. And that's a really good discovery process. Yeah. It was very in depth. I did call her um, to get a quote and she was unfortunately out of my budget right now. Um, but I, I'll probably be calling her in the future. So yeah, yeah. If you're listening, I'm calling you soon. <laughs> <laughs> he just paid money for a new website. He can't afford Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. I had to spread it out. But luckily, yeah, one of my yeah. friends is a marketing professional. He does oil and gas, but he's still a marketing professional in general. So he had this Excel sheet that's kind of like a copy template like he asks you to do these like different series and to write out kind of like taglines and how to like morph it into what the base of your your business is and your brand so that was really helpful which I've kind of taken that and run with it on my own um to 
to help me kind of develop like develop taglines and things for my business yeah. will be on the new website. That's awesome. And actually one other thing she did too, which I really liked was really tried to pull, cause I hadn't done this for myself, really trying to identify like what the, dif- like what made me different, which yeah. I thought was cool. She asked questions like if, you know, if, what did she say? If the, if you could, I don't remember how she asked this, but it's kind of like, what celebrity would you choose to kind of be the voice of your brand? It wasn't that specifically, but yeah. something like that, which I thought was really cool too. For understanding, Dang, that's tough. Who? Uh, yeah, like I, I know. Have to about, like, who'd you pick? Do you remember? Okay. Yes. Okay. I picked um, Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah, and, I could totally see that. She's and like was, and fun and yeah, relatable and yeah. like. Um, and then this one's embarrassing because like celebrity is a strong word, but I also said Caitlin Bristow. I thought she. I think she's hilarious. And she was on. She was a Bachelorette. And oh, now okay. she has her own podcast. Like she's like basically turned like into an influencer now, but she has a podcast yeah. and she's just hilarious. And I think she's funny, but, um, but no, it was hard. It took me a while to like, think about it, but you should think about it now, even just for yourself. Like I think yeah, it, that's what I was, it, it was like, who, cause my brand is kind of like simple, but chic. Yeah. Uh, I would definitely want to go with a guy who would be, yeah, that makes sense. A guy, like, but even if it, like, oh, you know, I know exactly who it would be. Who, who? Um, do you watch Shits Creek? Yes. Daniel Levy. That's ah, who he Do you even know that I used to have the biggest crush on him? I went to see him when he used to do the Hills After Show. Yeah. I saw him and uh, Jesse Crookshank. And I got a picture with him and her. And then on my 30th birthday, my old boss got me a signed copy of his picture. And it said, happy 30th birthday, even though I'm convinced that she printed it and pretended to sign it. I don't know if it was legit. We'll, we'll say it's real. Yeah, we'll I love him too. He's yeah, awesome. I feel like his personality, at least in this show, which I assume oh is God. kind of his personality, so is cool. a little bit close to mine. And I feel like his style in general, I yeah. would, would totally be the voice of my, my brand. Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. Okay, so before we started recording, we were talking about renovations versus decorating. Oh, God. And I think we had this conversation last time. And I think at the time I said that I liked renovations more. I'll have to go back and know that it's not right now. Like right now I'm like, oh my God, these renovations are killing me. And it's not that I'm tired of renovations. I have done so many back to back. It's like new construction, renovation, renovation, whole house renovation, you know, new construction. And right now I'm in the middle of wrapping up a master bathroom renovation, um, in the middle of a kitchen renovation and in the kind of like first third process of gutting this whole house and renovating it. So I am burnt out on construction. And like with this kitchen, we order these beautiful handmade tiles from California that are going to be shipped to us. They, um, they're like, they look like concrete, they're concrete hex and they have like all these different finishes. Gorgeous. Of course they're two weeks late. And that pushes back our whole timeline for the kitchen. So what was supposed to be done like early October is now mid-October and it just kind of screws our whole timeline. I was just on the phone with the rep for like 45 minutes trying to figure out what's going on with our tiles and then relaying that to the client. Then of course the client's like so upset because they're like, well, I've already been without a kitchen for six weeks. Like they literally have like hot plates and microwaves in their dining room on their buffet that they're cooking with. Yeah. yeah, you small children, you know, they're ready to get back to their, their normal freaking lives. They're like, yeah. I'm, I'm done with this. And you're like, sorry, peeps, two more weeks. 
<laughs> but what I am going to do is I'm going to get a gift certificate for a nearby restaurant. And I'm going to send them a gift certificate um, to go out to dinner. I love right? it. So sometimes things go in the shitter, <laughs> if I can say that. Oh, yeah. um, I just like to do like a, little, like a little gift to the client to kind of like, hey, get out of the house, take yourself to dinner. You know, I'm not going to spend a ton of money on it. But enough for like four people to go and like have like a nice little meal and just get out. So hopefully that will lift their spirits enough that they will forget about the tiles being delayed by two weeks. At least, at least during dinner, right? Yeah, it'll <laughs> give them two hours of a reprieve before they get home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then being reminded, <laughs> oh like, my god, like a little wine to it. Yeah. So okay, and you were also talking about profit margins, obviously. Um, with so, so yeah, yeah when you do renovations do you order the tile and make money off those items or does the contractor i typically have the contractor order all of that if they want me to order it it's a, t- a standard 20 percent procurement fee yeah. right so i and if there's a lot of time to manage it or order it like i'll typically do ordering and then 20% on top of the, the cost um just to track it keep up with that schedule the delivery simple stuff um, I feel like that's fair because the builders are typically, if the builders are ordering it, they're going to take that price and mark it up 20% anyways. So I'm not going to, I mean, I don't think it's fair that I should have to order something and lose those profits if, cause the builder's just trying to get out of the time or the hassle of ordering that material. Yeah. I typically have the builders do it, but if they don't, I tell my clients, Hey, here's the process. Unless it's something like lighting, you know, if I'm ordering a lighting and I'm getting 25% off, then I'll typically have them pay the retail price and I'll just manage the time and hourly for ordering and tracking receiving. Got it. Yeah. And so you were saying to like, you know, the renovations are a bit headachey now and I, yeah. I get it. I mean, I'm living through my own right now and I'm doing a new build and and it's been great, but but the the renovation at my house, though, like the delays, like you just had, it's it's so stressful. It was stressful just for it for me to be on the receiving end, but then I think about relaying that to the client, and it's just managing trades is hard. That's what yeah. I've learned. And giving clients bad news is something that really puts a lot of like anxiety on me. I am a people pleaser by nature. And with that comes a lot of like internalizing that guilt, even though it's something that isn't in my control. Luckily, I just brought an operations manager into the team. So now he can handle all of that. Yes. <laughs> it doesn't affect him. So I can just be like, oh, I feel really bad. Can you email them? And he's like, yeah, I don't care. You know, yeah. he's like, sorry, people deal with, you know, we're doing what we can, but it is what it is. And I can put that, you know, I can set that off of my plate. So I think that'll be really beneficial for me because I. I'm saying, okay, we're going to talk about that. I want to know all about that for sure. And so so you were saying too, like with furniture, it feels it's great because it does feel, I mean, there's things out of our control, but not as much. And it does feel like we own that timeline a little bit better aside from things that go wrong for sure. Yeah. And also we, you know, in your experience, you're making more money. Yes. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, with furniture, I know what lines, like if I need something done in, you know, six weeks, you know, from the time of 
once I place that order, hoping it get to the warehouse in six weeks, I know what vendors I can use. I think that six weeks is really tight. I always tell my clients eight, you know, they could expect 10, but at least I like set that up. But I know what vendors, because some of the vendors I like, it could be a 16 to 24 week lead time. Because yeah. there's a brand that I like to use that comes out of England and it comes on a freight container. And, you know, sometimes that takes a while. Yeah. Um, but what I'm also doing now is there's a local company in Houston that builds everything custom. So if there's something that I want that I'd say it's going to be 16 to 24 weeks, I can draw up a similar or some kind of style that I like, turn that into custom fabricators, and they can get it to me in eight. So... I can get the styles that I like, but the quality that I want that is in a shorter lead time. So like you said, we can own those and, and control that a little bit more and then also make the profit margins. And for that, like when you're working with the custom fabricator for furniture, what do you normally mark that up? So what I'm trying to do is 40% profit margins. And my friend gave me uh, this really good formula. So basically you take the price, whatever the cost is, and divide it by 0.6. And that gives you a profit margin of 40%, not a markup of 40%, a profit margin. It comes out to about 60% markup. And oh, if, wow. yeah, and if it's an eye, like for upholstery, right? Like if you talk, like I think Veronica Solomon and some of them say their upholstery, they mark up 75 to 100%, depending on the line. And that's what you have to do to make money. And it's not unfair to the clients because they're getting quality furniture, right? They're getting solid construction, eight-way hand-tied, really nice, you know, seat bills. And you should be marking that up appropriately. And I'm just getting into this because for a long time, my margins were really low. And so for the past few months, I've been focusing on changing that so I can start investing yeah. money into my business. Yeah, because I was so focused on being competitive with some of the retail places that I was only marking things up thirty percent, which just isn't enough to say you know to sustain profitability in a business. Mm -hmm. so, Especially like now you have a you have an office, mm -hmm. right? yeah, employees that you're hiring, yeah. So I'm just trying to focus on margins. Like before I was marking things up sometimes 30 or 40%, but it still just wasn't enough. And then I was, you know, ordering some retail things. With retail, there's no profit. You know, you, if you're making 20% off of a retail store, that's nothing. $50 here and there is not enough to put money back into the business. So like I'm trying to set up accounts with, you know, like my biggest thing, the reason why I was so stuck with retail is, you know, I don't mind spending four or $5,000 on a sofa, right? Like people can see the value in that because it's a big investment, but not everyone wanted a thousand dollar side table that I could yeah. order from Bernhard or a $500 side table from, you know, four hands. They wanted, you know, a, some side tables, you know, little drink tables for 150 or $250. Yeah. And where do you go? You order through West Elm or Creighton Barrel because they have decent quality for the price. And now I'm focusing on setting up accounts like Modway, Olix. Um, I can't remember some of the other ones that have like side tables and these price points that are within my aesthetic. So I can still provide the clients a, you know, an entry level side table or something that I can mark up. And it's going to be trade that's going to be shipped, you know, directly to the warehouse. The customer service is better. The quality will be better. And it just works out for everyone. So 
really researching all the lines that I was using and adding some to the, my vendor list has been a big difference for me. Um, okay. So when you say you're, you're marking up, right. So the, you do the divided by 0.6. I was just right. doing the math in a spreadsheet right. and like, whatever. Okay. So if you are, when you're opening an account, hold on. So like, say I'm going to my custom fabricator in Houston, right. And there's a style of sofa that I want. Yeah. And sorry, I'm adjusting. And it's okay. $2,000. Okay. So my cost with fabric. Yeah. $2,000. I'm going to divide that by 0. 0.6. The price is now $3,333. That's a profit margin or, you know, profits are $1,300 plus some change. Yep. That's a decent markup. Yeah. Right. So I think when you do the math, it's like 2000 times 1.6. So if I did 2,000 times 1.6, it comes out to $3,200. So dividing by 0.6 gives you a 40% profit margin. And, and it prox it's a little over 60% markup. I see. And I think, I see. That, and I think for upholstery, that's, that's an appropriate markup for you to maintain profitability, keep investing in the lines that you want and things like that. I so I'm trying to move to this method so I can put more money back into the business. I love it. And so, okay, when you are working with, so let's say we're working with furnishing only clients, right? And you do that. Yeah. Um, when you start with them, have you been finding that you've been getting clients with like healthy enough budgets to be able to? Yes and no. Okay. Um, so with that, what I'm doing is, and this is kind of a new process for me with like the last month, like I'm really focusing on, like I just got a client, we're doing her bedroom, something's in her living room, wallpaper in her dining room, you know, her media room. And we have a budget of like 70, $70,000, 60 to $75,000. So I'm focusing on using this profit margin method for the first time and really focusing on it. Cause I want to make like, I think it's like $18,000 in profits or $15,000 yeah. in profits on top of the design fees. Yeah. And this will be like the Guinea pig. So I'm going to, so I'm like trying to focus on how much I need to make. And if there's certain things like, okay, if I can make bigger profit margins on upholstery, right? Like I'm going to make sure I can focus on those profit margins, maybe more so than, the side tables. If I can only do a 30%, you know, markup on a side table of $300, I'm going to be okay with that. If I can still make over 60% markup on the upholstery. So yeah. I think it overall, it gives, it gives better profit margins. And whenever I start with the clients, I do kind of walk them through a good, better and best, um, kind of like what you have, like an Excel sheet. I think you have mm -hmm. the same thing. And I talk about like price points, you know, it's like, Hey, we you know within this price point, here's the style and quality you're going to get versus this, you know, what's important to you. I know that upholstery rugs, those are typically going to be, you know, upholstery rugs, cocktail tables, buffets, people tend to want to spend more money on sometimes lamps, but like side tables, sometimes people don't really care about having custom pillows for $300. Yeah. So I try to give and take a little bit depending on, on the client and how much the budget is. Right. And do you ever find, when do you start talking and trying to identify that with the client? Is so I have, I've changed up my, my process for 
starting the um like the, the discovery for the client. So before I would have like a sit and see where we would go to the showroom that I work with and we would sit on sofas oh. and touch fabrics. I still like to do that. The showroom that I work with understands that I don't order all of my furniture from them, but I order enough that they don't mind me coming in and using it. So I do the sit and see meeting. And then I have, I used to have a lifestyle meeting, um, where we talk about their needs, their wants, are they entertaining? How many people are over, you know, they're a partner to law firm. Are you going to have, you know, the partners and, you know, lawyers back to the house for cocktails? Are you hosting parties of a hundred? Do you have grandchildren? Those types of things. Like what's your life like? So I understand the level of quality that I need to provide and the durability I need to provide for your home. And then from there, I used to jump right into like, I would try to like in that meeting, I would try to get them to establish a budget before I did any space planning. And that actually like it pinned me into a corner, having them say, I want to set a budget of $25,000 for this living room. And then I backed myself into a corner with that budget. And then I would go straight to space planning, designing, come back to them with final presentation of a space planning, working within their budget and the designs. And I was kind of screwing myself. So now what I do is I have, um, I still do the sit and see typically. I'll do lifestyle meeting and kind of like, and I'll do lifestyle and measuring really early on. So they'll, they'll book with the retainer. I'm going to try to get to their house as quickly as possible to go over their lifestyle, measure the home. Then I'm going to take a week or so and I'm going to do my space planning and I'm going to come back to them with like concepts. So I'm looking, you know, here's a couple concepts I'm thinking. One is minimal neutral based on your lifestyle questionnaire and your inspiration. And one is this and one is that with the space planning. And then I'm going to have them establish their budget because I know exactly how many pieces I need in that room. Before I was saying, okay, you have $25,000. I'm going to make that work for two sofas, four chairs, four side tables, you know, two lamps. And it was really affecting me negatively. Now I'm like, okay, we need two sofas, four chairs, four side tables, two lamps, and we need to spend $30,000 minimum to achieve this look. Yeah. And that's when I'm getting them to go into budgets. Like I've already talked to them say, Hey, most of my clients spend, you know, 15 to $35,000 a room, depending on the size, they understand that but I'm not getting them to commit to a budget until that concepts meeting. And it's actually been really beneficial for me because now I have the flexibility to design and focus on the creativity without getting backed into a corner. If they want to adjust that number a little bit at the time of the concepts meeting, we can talk about that or we can scale back their project a little bit and then I can adjust my fee proposal but I'm just trying not to pin myself into a corner. Now I want to give myself the flexibility within the budget to design in a way that I feel is appropriate for their home lifestyle and my portfolio. Yeah. I'm just like, it's funny because I, I had a very weird consultation lead situation where I actually had to, I had to, after the consultation that she paid for, I had to say like, oh, I think you commented on the, in my Facebook group, but I, I had to be like, I, you need, I think that for what you need and what you're looking for, you should go with the other designer. Yeah. And 
it's it's interesting. And I said to her in I think the last email back when she said because she was like, oh, you know, well, what if we did this? Like, I was really hoping to work with you, and I replied saying, you know, I was really hoping to work with you too, but um, I think it's really important that you work with a designer who is on board with your vision, who's excited because. It's, it's important for us to be excited about what we're doing too. And that's going to yeah. give a better result the, as well. Was it the lower, I can't remember which one. Was it the lower budget or the style that was not? So she, she seemed fairly willing to like meet me on the budget side of things. Yeah. But she was also like, when we first met, she wanted things happen like this. And yeah. I was just like, okay, no, it's 16 weeks of presentation, but given my current schedule and like, depending on the scale, I might be able to do four to six weeks to presentation yeah. after that. And I said, if, if you want things to happen quickly, then we can look to quick ship items. That's fine. But I still can't, that could still be two weeks. I can't, the whole thing for me is like, I'm not going to promise you a timeline when there are variables outside of my control. Yeah. So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to do everything I can to do this as fast for you as possible, but you could be looking at this timeline. And she was a little freaked out about that, but she seemed to have gotten there, but I yeah. still didn't feel like she was hearing it. But no, it was a lot of like, when I went into her home, she didn't, she wanted to put the fire, the couch against the wall, which was like, a good six feet away from the fireplace, which meant that the coffee table would be like four feet off this fireplace. And then this big open space because she wanted to do the yoga there. Hopefully she doesn't listen to this. I can't imagine she would. Um, and then, and, and I was like, I was saying this to somebody earlier today. I was like, okay, this goes against all of my design sensibility, right? Is what I'm saying. And I'm explaining to her because she's going, oh, the other owner, like so funny. Like they were pushing it out. I'm like, well, there's a reason that we do that. Yeah. It's because... You know, you want to to bring a conversation in together. You want to center it around the focal point. Like, you want to be balancing the room and da da da. And she was just like not into it. And then I I left telling myself, Michelle, like it's cool. You don't have to have a portfolio. You could use some money right now. Like you can just do this. And and then she was like, if like I don't know about you styling. I'm nervous about this. Do I approve everything? I'm like, no, you don't want to approve all the styling items. Like come in by that point. And, and I thought I did a decent job. She was not hearing me though. And like, yeah. she, just, she just, she did not want to relinquish control Yeah. to a, to a very, like, a, yeah, a very like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I thought I had talked myself into being like, it's fine. And I sent her a proposal updated and she emailed me back, like literally a novel. And, and the biggest triggery part nope. was you know, I'm a little nervous that we have opposing visions for the living room. And that's when I was like, no, you're right. No. So I replied and said, you should go with the other designer, you know? Yeah. And then, and cause it was like, she's right. Like she's basically, I, I don't, I feel very passionately that that is a wrong decision. Yeah. And she doesn't seem flexible. Like if you're not flexible for me to tell you in my professional opinion, how you should work with this space to create it an aesthetically pleasing space, then, then we shouldn't work together. It's also like, why are they hiring us if they don't want to take our advice? Yeah. I mean, if you're an accountant, I don't walk into your office and tell you what to do. I'm, I don't, that's not my profession. I don't know yeah. anything about that, which is why I have a bookkeeper and a CPA, you know, but they're coming to us for advice. And they just don't want to they don't want to let us give them the advice. Absolutely. Then they can go their merry way and, and, and love their living room, but we don't have to do it for them. 
That is the thing too. And it really, like, it was hard. It was hard for me to let go of that, but it was a good experience because it's like, you know, I, I, I love that she wanted to work with me so bad. I don't really understand it. I don't know why I was confused by it because I was like, I was clearly like, we were not necessarily jiving. There was nothing about our interaction that was like on the mark at all, right down from timing to early budget conversations to this, to that. So um, I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> but, it happens. Yeah. I, I don't remember. Oh, but it was the whole like, I, you know what, it's okay for me to say, this is, we are not, I, if that's what you want to do. And I said to her too, you know, this is what's great about our industry. There's tons of designers, all of which have different aesthetics and philosophies. And I'm sure there's somebody probably not, but I'm sure there's somebody that she can find that can not (laughs) either. They can be fresh in their business and not care, but they just want the money and the experience, which is great. But I need to be, fulfilled and feel good about what I'm doing and not embarrassed by the room that I leave. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing for me is like, okay, they're going to walk away. You're going to walk away from that project, whether it's on Instagram or portfolio or not. And they're going to go to their friends and say, Oh, Michelle Benet did this for me. And they're going to go, what the hell was she thinking? Why did she do this? And she's not going to go, well, this was my idea to push the sofa 10 feet away and the coffee table is four feet away floating in the middle of the room. They're going to think you did that and they're not going to call you because they're going to say she's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Or her friends love it. And then I just get more people who want terrible crazy stuff. (laughs) Yeah. And so it was honestly like, that's the, have you ever had to at this point yet? Have you ever had to, after somebody's paid you some money, say like, this isn't going to happen and we need to, yeah. For you. Uh, yeah, I, I have fired three people. Oh my goodness. But I, it was like, it was good lessons learned, right? So the, like the first one was a long time ago. He called me cussing me out on the phone and I was like, yeah, not going to happen. I quit. And he actually, he, I didn't know, I didn't get, he, we were square, if that makes sense. Like we didn't owe each other any money. Yeah. One of them was a client and I had only interacted with her, not her husband. The first interaction with her husband, he was very much a bully and just saying, well, I want you to do this and I want this and, you know, you have to be doing this for me. And I was like, uh, I, I need to think about this for a minute. I'll, I'll have to talk to you later. And I thought about it for a few hours and I said, I'm sorry, I have to resign. And she was an artist that I knew that I was good friends with. And I just got bad vibes from her husband and in good faith, because I knew her, I refunded the rest of the retainer that she had, I, whatever hours I had taken out of it, it was like 10 hours and she had five left over. And I said, I typically don't do this, but we are friends outside of this business relationship. And I want to hopefully maintain that. So here's the rest of your dollars back. And I wish you the best of luck. Um, they went and hired another designer after that who fired them also. <laughs> and that designer reached out to me and was like, so I heard you worked with this person um, can we set up a phone call to talk about this? And I was like, yeah, we ended up having to part ways. And she's like, tell me the, you know, give me the juicy gossip, what happened. And it was like, we were both saying the exact same thing. She was like, we just had bad vibes from the hubs and we went our separate ways and that was it. So some people were just not meant to work with designers. That's, that's exactly what I was going to say. And I think that that lesson was hugely valuable for me yeah. is that we cannot help everybody because some people really just want you in there. 
saying like, yes, your ideas are great. Let's do that. Let's just do that. Like, but that's how, so there is a mentality. I didn't mean to cut you off. So there is a mentality from what I've seen from some older designers. And this is not the case of everyone, right? Just a few designers that I've interacted with that have been around for like 30 years and they kind of like present packets to their clients of like five options for like each piece and really give the client that control of choosing the pieces and basically designing their home with guidance from the designer. And this Mm -hmm. is not all of them. I'm not generalizing. I've just seen like the client I'm working with right now, the one, the decorating project I just had, she was working with the designer that was doing that. And they went their separate ways for whatever reason. And I walked in and said, look, you know, she hired me for a two hour consultation. I said, this is not how I work. I'm not going to be bringing you packets of five options for everything. We're not going to sit it with fabrics and pick it out together. We're going to go through the discovery process. I'm going to bring you what's the best options. I will probably have backups for a few things, but I'm not, you know, this is, it's not how I, I do my business. It's not my philosophy. And she was like, okay, I understand that. You know, she's like, I've seen your work. I understand what you're, you know, you're saying. And we established trust and went from there. But I think some of these clients still have that mentality or maybe they've worked with designers who are kind of like that. You know, they just say, here's, here's some pieces. You pick it and, you know, you've done a great job and we'll just move forward. But I just feel like our generation of designers have a different opinion. And it's funny you say that because that was actually another thing that was in her long email back to me was that the other designer was offering three of every option. I said, I don't do that. And Who has time for that? And I said, and that's just paying? you paying me more money to yeah. basically design you three rooms. And that's just, you know, there's a revision, like a, I call it refinement phase. Yeah. Um, and I do bring backups and additional options where things I, where I feel like it makes sense. Like maybe I push the envelope a little bit, but that's not how I work. And, and I think it's important. Like it's fine. If somebody works that way, that's cool, but it's important for us to stay true to ourselves yeah. in how we work best ourselves. Yeah. Right. And that for me doesn't work because especially in a whole home situation, that gets chaotic to present. It's five rooms, three options each. Like, like you no, would be so overwhelmed <laughs> if I did that, right? Yeah. Like a, a client could not handle that, let alone trying to pull, like even just pulling that together. There's so, that's just so much time wasted. And that's what I wonder, like for the designers who do this, um, how much are they billing? Like, I have no idea how many hours they're billing per room. Um, I just can't even imagine. Yeah. If, um, how many hours would you say it takes you to do, like, if you were doing, if you were telling a client one room on average, uh, beginning to end, so design presentation, like beginning, like from the actual beginning all the way to the final styling on the, on the table. I've been, so they typically want, they typically want like a number. So what I've been saying is like three to $5,000. So what is 3000 divided by one fifty? So it, and that's actually a little bit low. So I say, yeah, I need to start. Actually, I need to increase that. Yeah, because your hourly rate um, went up, I think, right? That's probably yeah, why. I haven't, so, but I mean, still, even if I'm doing, you know, was it 40 times 150, I think it's 6,000. No, what is that? 40 times 150. I think it's 6,000. It's like 6,000. So I probably need to start saying like three to six because I think some smaller rooms, 
my minimum investment for full service is 3,500. Yeah, which is, I think, reasonable for one room, right? Would you accept that if somebody came to you and said, but I just want you to help me out with this, that, and the other throughout my house? I'm trying, if I was strapped for cash, I would probably do it and hate my life the whole time. Yeah. But I at least want to have one to two rooms where I'm doing everything. Yeah. And that's why I took this current decorating project. There are a couple of spaces that I'm just like touching up for her. Yeah. But I'm getting through the media room 100%, and I get to do the bedroom 100%. So I'm okay with doing two rooms complete and then doing a couple of things here and there. Yeah. But I, like, I still want to have the creativity to create something that's 100% my own in a couple of spaces. Yeah. Yeah. So I need to start saying, yeah, I usually say tell people like 30 hours is an average, give or take 10. Yeah. Depending on the size. But I mean, there's really not a ton. You really can't do much with 20 hours. No, I tried to I explain know. this with something else. Just I'm like, discovery is, you know, six hours plus an hour per item for sourcing. Installation is eight hours. Yeah, you know, ordering, tracking, receiving is a few hours. I'm like, right there, you're already over twenty something hours. Yeah. Um, I just didn't want to put a higher minimum investment because some people freak out about seeing yeah. that. But maybe I'll just I'll I'm thinking about removing pricing from my website and seeing what happens, and then maybe adding it on later. Yeah, you know what? I will say this. So, er, hey, oh, <coughs> I have, um, so after like, I was just having such a hard time, like I was getting all these leads, but I was not able to close them. Yeah. And I really, what I learned was, okay, what happened for me was I got burned so many times, either on undercharging or, um, you know, you know, knowing that it costs a certain amount to get a room to a certain level, uh, knowing certain ways that I needed to do things. So it's like I over, I started to overcompensate and say way too much. And I was freaking people out. So now I have, I very much, I get on a call and I don't even, I don't even, I might ask like, you know, did you have a budget in mind, but that's it. I base, unless these, unless clients lead with price, which sometimes they do, which, which typically in my experience now, if somebody, the first question they ask you in a DM, in an email is, oh, I'm looking for some help with my house. Like, what are your rates? Yeah. Typically that means that person's probably not going to be able to, in my experience anyway. You're 100% right. They always, yeah. Anytime someone's done that, you start talking, they want to know price because you're like, I'm X, you know, number one driver. Yeah. And they're like, oh, and then it never works out. I'm like, it's probably for the best because you're going to be, you know, micromanaging the budget the whole time. Absolutely. And, and the, and at the end of the day, my, what I told the last lead again, it's just, this was that whole experience for me really helped me be able to articulate what I feel my value is. And my value is not speed or price. Could my value be speed? Absolutely. But it would come at a price. Yeah. And it would depend on my workload and like my project load, right? But um, but basically now when I get on a call, I get I find out the facts and then I say, you know, clients are either, are you looking for full service? Great. Well, it starts with a consultation. I sell the consultation. Yeah. If we start talking about price and they're like, oh, I don't know, and and it's getting a little iffy. And it's very apparent that price is a, you know, they have $2,000 to spend, which I get. Um, I had someone call me with the same thing. They wanted to decorate their whole apartment for 1500 
And I'm like, there's no way. I was like, I can, the only thing I can offer you is a two hour consultation for yeah. 400 and I can help you create a plan, but you're still going to have to order in phases. I'm like, sorry, so sorry. I'm like, um, that's like, you know, that's like time, you know, $1,500 is going to get you like one article sofa, you know, the yeah. brand. Like, that's it. And that's the thing. So, but now I'm like, sell them a consultation, give yeah. them a great consultation. And I, I've, I've basically realized that, and Kimberly Selden and I talked about this on my last podcast with her, the less you say early on, the better, because the more you say, the more you're talking them out of working with you. So, so I was doing exactly, I was doing exactly what you were doing because I had the same thing. I was burned by budgets. I was burned by hours. And I was like, well, you have to spend this much and you have to do this. And this is what, and yeah, I was not closing. And then I listened to your, you know, I was listening to your discovery calls and I was like, thank you, God, Michelle, like, <laughs> thank you for doing this. You're saving my life because it did give me a different perspective. And I changed up my discovery calls. And like you said, I focused on booking the consultation before I start getting into the nitty gritty because yes. it just makes a big difference. It's, it makes such a big difference. And also I think that part of the reason that this lady did want to work with me was, and it's a, it's like a, um, like psychology, like she was just at that point, if somebody invests in, let's say you send them a survey to fill out before your yeah. consultation. Okay. That was effort they put in. Now they've spent money and two hours of time with you. Okay, great. Now they've waited for a proposal and they're like, they're, they've like mentally maybe even already said, I want to work with her. The next, at that point, they've just invested a bunch of time that they think, well, I don't want to do that all over again. Yeah. And it, they've invested emotionally, but now all of a sudden they got this like terrible price tag maybe, but then they might be more likely to talk themselves into it as opposed to having giving them that terrible price tag at the beginning and they just abort mission right away. Yeah. So that was like huge for me. Yeah. Huge. I mean, it's tough. And I think because we're younger, they, uh, I mean, I don't know if this is true. I feel like it's so hard. I feel like some people just see us as a younger designer and they automatically think that we're going to cost less yes. than someone who's in their forties or fifties. But I think, <laughs> <laughs> Easy now. <laughs> Wait, how old are you? I just turned 40. Oh, I you're always think you're, yet. you no, look wait. so young and yet, like, you know what I mean? You're so yeah. beautiful and there young. You like, there you go. Yeah, keep it coming. Keep it coming. No, but no, but I feel like, true. okay, how about this? Young and business age, right? They see us as like, oh, how long have you been designing? Three years. And they automatically think, okay, well, she's going to be a lot, I hate to use this word, cheaper than someone who's been doing it for 30 years. And honestly, that's not true. Like, we're still here to make profits and run a business you know, we're probably going to cost the same as someone who's been doing it for 10 or 15 years. At least yeah. we should. Be. Yeah. And you know who I find, you know, who I really see that with, and maybe it's not like clearly with, but I don't necessarily, I, I don't get that vibe necessarily from like a random lead because I, yeah. I, I've never been asked how long I've been doing it. Granted, they might already know it and they might be drawing that conclusion. And maybe that is why I'm getting some, some lower budget leads, but definitely Definitely friends and family and people who refer me as a friend and family. Like I think yeah. that they believe they don't understand. They must think, well, you know, people I know can't afford me that yeah. are not like a tight friend, but acquaintances back when I may have allowed a friend or family to hire me. They're like, Oh, I'm going to get you in my house. And I'm just like, Oh girl, okay. you just have no idea. 
I mean, I've had tons of people reach out to me that I went to high school with and they say, oh, I would love to have you help me. Um, you know, what's how, you know, what's your hourly rate or something? And I send them like one, you know, quick response. I'm like, yeah, let's have a phone call. We can talk about it. Cause I always want to give everyone the opportunity. You know, I don't know what's going on in their lives. And I send them one message back and it's like, they never respond. <laughs> they're, you know, they're very supportive of, you know, they always give me likes and they leave comments, but they never respond after I have not had anyone. And it's not saying that I'm without out of their budget. I don't know, but I've never had anyone from high school or a friend um, reach out to have me design their house. And I'm fine with that. Yeah. I mean, I won't even allow it. <laughs> I've worked, that's not true. I worked for um, I, my first client was a friend. And then I recently did a living room for a friend, but it was like, they were fine with paying me my normal fee and they were fine with, you know, we had a set markup on things and we established all that early and they were like, okay, cool. That's fine with us. Like we just want your help. And they had like, you know, I think it was like $20,000 for their living room and it was small and we were able to knock it out and get it done. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. Um, well, first of all, that's a beautiful friend. And, yeah. and I, because I think it's funny because it's like, well, either A, you were never going to hire another designer. You were, yeah, hoping, were. you were hoping I was going to cut you a little bit of a deal. Or B, like if you were, why wouldn't you want to give me that money instead, right? As and in support that's me. It, it, like it blows my mind. Like I, It's like a meme or something. And they're like, okay, you'll spend $150 on a pair of Jordan shoes who's making millions of dollars a year and you have no problem supporting this person you've yeah. never met before. But your cousin or best friend or friend yeah. of a friend who's running a business, you're like, um, can I get a discount, please? Yeah. No, like, I don't understand this. Like, this is someone you know. Why don't you want to help support their business with their full fee? Like, exactly. I do, Kim, you know, Kim Carr, whoever it is, the Jenner's lipstick and all of them who are, you know, freaking millionaires, you're spending $100 on lipstick and $200 yeah. on shoes, but. I that's know, it's, it's crazy and it's, and it's just, it, what I find interesting too is like, you know, I will sometimes get a message from a friend and I'll be like, so I don't, I don't work with friends or family. So like one time it was Dave's friend that messaged me and I was like, oh, I don't, but you know, I can send you some names yeah. and then it's kind of like, oh, never mind. Yeah. Well, it's like, well, then what were you hoping for? You weren't really looking to pay anybody. Yeah. Then why are you, you calling know? me? Yeah. And anytime I reach out to a friend, for anything like a hair for me it was big time of like hairdressing because when I played roller derby there was a lot of like creative people in derby and there was a lot of hairdressers and one of them was on my team and I'd be like oh my god I would love to come get a cut and I would say I want like how much how much is a haircut and and yeah. I'm not asking you for a deal I want you to give me the price that you would give any other person I, yeah. I'm coming to you to support you and also I've seen your work I think it's great so just yeah. I'm not trying to get a deal just tell me I, how much I, it costs I need so I can with make that and I feel like that's like the right mentality to have. And it is, you're a creative, you know, you understand. You're like, I want to support your business. Just tell me the price and we'll figure it out. Exactly. Okay. So let's talk a bit about the fact, okay, two things. How are we doing on time? What's, I know we are. And I'm and like, my, we chit chat so much. I'm like, I don't even know how long we've been on. I know. I, that's how fast it went. We started at 3.30 and with. Did, oh I shit. Thought, it's already an hour. It's already I been know, like. It doesn't even make sense to me. Like I looked at the time. I'm like an hour what yeah um 
who cares? But I do, I do have a hard stop in like probably 20 minutes because I'm going okay. to the cottage with uh, to with Dave's parents. We're going. Oh, I'm going to the cottage. That's fun. <laughs> yeah, but okay. We but his parents are awesome and I love them, so it's great. But um, okay. So you recently got an office. So yes. Jacob actually leaves his home every day and goes into an office, except for today. Today's yeah. an exception. And you were saying you hired, well, you've hired a few people, I think, but an operations oh, manager. That's been challenging. <laughs> Let's talk about that. So I did get an office. It was out of necessity. So uh, six months ago, my partner and I broke up um, and I was working out of my home and we eventually decided that he was going to keep the house. So I moved to an apartment and decided that it was best for me to get an office space, which 100% I'm liking. I didn't realize how much anxiety I was building up from having my office at my house because the work was like looming over me and I could never leave. And now I'm like, I leave my computer at the office. I leave my work bag at the office. I go home without any of that. I make dinner. I watch TV. I read a book. I do, you know, chores and it's there, you know, it's like, and I'm also up. So I'm up at six o'clock now you know, out the door by 7.15 to get to the office by 7.30 or 7.45 and I work and I, you know, so whatever the mentality is, and I, this may not be for everyone. Some people find that they're most productive at 10 to 1, you know, a.m. and they like working from home for that reason. It works for me to get out of my, out of my home and go to an office. Mm-hmm. And it's like, now I have a space that clients can come. So it also kind of works for me from me, if there's tra- if there's no, I leave early. That's what I was saying. I leave early in the morning because if I leave a little bit early, it takes me 15 minutes to get there from my house. If I leave a little bit later, it can be 35 or 40 minutes with traffic, even though it's not a very far in yeah. mileage. So I get to the office early for that reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like it. And it's in, so for us in Houston, there's like a loop, 610 loop is kind of the city area, like the urb the urban city, quote unquote, and it's in the loop. So if someone lives, you know, near by, it's like 10 minutes for them to get there. It's there's restaurants nearby, there's bars. So I can order, you know, some snacks, you know, I can, you know, order some snacks to my office and present those to the clients. We're having three or four hour meetings for things. And I really like it. I like having a space that someone can come and see. And then they see a little bit more value because they're like, Oh, I'm paying you enough money. You can, you know, now you have yeah. a team and yeah. an office with all these things that I can come and see and look at. And I do envy that for sure. Even just like you can have a rep come over with fabrics and Oh, it was so hard to have reps come over to my house. It was so awkward. Yeah. Now they come and they leave me books and they bring samples and you know, all kinds of stuff. And it, it just it's really working for me. I'm I'm glad that I the universe kind of pushed me in that direction yeah. because otherwise I never would have done it. Yeah. See, yeah. that's what I do love. Like there's always like a good, you know, things happen and then there's always like, well, you know, it's kind of good that that happened for this reason, yeah. which I always love. And so your operations manager, what specifically is that role doing in your business? Cause that sounds amazing. Yeah. So I, I've been through a couple employees. So I had my design assistant for a year and we recently parted ways um, just because it wasn't the right fit for me. So I knew that she didn't have enough. She was young. She was 23. She didn't have enough responsibilities to actually maintain what I needed in my business 
probably 60 days or two months ago, I had hired a girl's like part-time kind of like contract to be half technical designer and half operations manager. Um, we ended up parting ways because she really wanted a senior designer position, which is not what I was looking for. And I knew she was going to be unhappy. So I kind of wished her the best, you know, paid her last, you know, her last paycheck. And I was like, you know, I'll give you a referral for your work, but I, you know, I think we need to part ways. And then I happened to find this guy through Instagram. Um, and he is very creative. He was running his own little mini design firm, you know, just, and, but he'd also been a sales rep for our house, the furniture store. Yeah. And so he had worked for our house like two different times and he was like their store sales manager. So he was, you know, higher up in responsibility. He was understood what deadlines were. He run his own little design firm. So he understood what it take, you know, it took to order furniture and do installs and everything like that. So we interviewed a couple times and sat down and talked about roles. For me, he is a project manager, right? So he's a project manager slash helping me with my schedule and day-to-day operations, which is why I call him operations manager than more of like a PM. Um, he, he's, his, his role is to find new vendors that I can connect with, mm-hmm. finding builders and inviting them to our office for you know snacks or cocktails. Con, he's our point of contact for a lot of scheduling, invoicing, things like that for the clients. He's the first line of contact before it gets to me, unless it's design related. He's going to be setting up those scheduling and, and all of those things. So I can focus on big picture stuff. I can focus on marketing. I can focus on getting all the design work done. I was really hitting a wall with things because my time was all over the place, right? It's like you're doing emailing, you're running around to vendors, you're taking phone calls. And I wasn't having enough hours in the day to knock out the design work that I needed. And now that's his kind of role. He can do a lot of those things for me. He can order the furniture, he can track it, he can make sure it's getting received. And I can focus on doing all the things that I'm good at. And he's also very creative. He likes to paint, he likes to create art. He has a really, really similar aesthetic to mine, which was hard to find. So when I saw those, his, you know, responsibility, his level of capability, his creativity, I snatched him up like Mm -hmm. real fast. (laughs) I was like, Hey, so you want to meet? And he said, yeah. And I was like, he's actually emailing me right now. I added this to your calendar and this and that. I'm like, yes, that's what what calendar do you use for him that he accesses at Google? Um, so we have uh, Outlook calendar that we do, and he shared that with me. Um, and it also syncs to my iPhone. So anytime that he adds something to our shared calendar, I can see it on my iPhone. I can go, he has alerts set too. So we just get in the habit of checking that. And he's only been with me for a week now. So he like just started, but I'm already like falling in love with him. <laughs> well, <laughs> I was like, not legit. No, not legit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, he he has a boyfriend. They've been together for a year, and I'm just like yeah. I'm in business. Yeah, and I, I'm mostly love with him. I have a businessman crush on him. So we'll yeah, see. yeah. I mean, you I'm still like boyfriend. Yeah, so I'm still, um, you know, I'm still making sure that everything's happening, and I'm not just like jumping in, you know, full two feet in. I want to make sure that I'm being responsible for my business. But what I've seen so far, I'm really liking, and I think that he'll be, you know, kind of like you know, the right hand of the business. He'll be able to really help out and grow in ways and that I 
in ways that I needed, you know, so. That's really cool. It almost sounds like what you're saying is like, well, okay, you don't have to answer this. Um, yeah. He, how many, well, first of all, is he full time? He is, so we, so he's actually taking a pay cut to work with me compared to his other job, but he had quit his other job before I reached out to him because he was tired of it. And he wants to be in design firm. So he is, we agreed at an hourly rate for a minimum of 20 hours a week. Okay. And I did the math and that's what I could pay him. Okay. I said, if we're busier, if we're bringing more business, I of course will, you know, bump that up accordingly. But at the minimum, you'll get 20 hours a week. And he said that was okay. doable for him. Are you comfortable sharing what the hourly rate is that you're paying him? I am paying him $25 an hour, which okay. I feel like for a starting a starting rate is on the higher side, but I wanted him to, I wanted him to accept a lot of responsibility and I thought it was best to pay him that. I mean, if he's yeah. like full time, that's like 50 grand a year, which I feel yeah. like is a decent salary for, you know, someone who's just coming into a firm. But I felt that if I paid him any less, it would be kind of like, well, you're not paying me what I think I'm, you know, I deserve. And therefore I'm not going to do the work that, so I was like, okay, look, here's what I think is fair. I can't go any higher than this. And if you can accept this term and understand that I'm paying you a little bit higher than what you probably would get in, in another, like somewhere else. Yeah. Then he was like, yeah, it's perfect. I think we can work with this and go from there. That's amazing. And um, okay, so what I was going to say was it almost sounds like you're hoping, like in a perfect world, this is a great, like you were saying, your right arm or left arm, yeah. whatever arm. And he can grow with the business. And with yeah. that would be like, he could he could really help grow. I can see him being a, and I already told him this. I was like, your creativity is there. And I highly value that on top of what you can do as an operations manager my eventual goal is to run like a four or five person team and have only one, only one other second designer. So I basically wanted to be me as creative director, you know, CEO, whatever you want to call it, a senior designer, a yeah. technical designer, you know, and then potentially an assistant. And that would be, I don't know. And then maybe something else. So it'd be like senior designer who's being doing things I'm doing. We're creating together. Me is the, principal, creative director, owner, design, technical designer to do all the renderings and CAD, and then an assistant to potentially like run around and do errands. And I think that would be like a good team that I could work with because I wanted to keep it very boutique. Yep. Um, so that's my goal. So I could see him getting to that next level and being, you know, senior designer, like maybe we'd run a five-man team and have another operations manager to come in after that. But if he can focus on running all the operations and then get to a senior senior designer level, he'll understand how to do all the project management and run, you know, the projects, the business, do the designing. So he would be, you know, my second in command, basically. And I think he has the responsibility, um, the responsibility and the creativity to be that person eventually. And we'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's very exciting. Um, I love it. Okay. I want to go back to something you were talking about before, because I'm very curious and, and you were talking about the discovery. So oh, yeah. you were talking about, did I write it down? No, I didn't. Okay. Like my steps. Yeah. So yeah. you were talking about like six hours um, for the discovery and I was very curious. So you do the consultation, right? Yeah. Which is whatever they pay for the consultation. That's a thing. And then from there they pay a retainer, sign an agreement and then the project yeah. starts. 
So yes. can you explain a little bit of a step-by-step after the yeah. retainer starts, like what happens in that discovery phase? Yes. Um, so first step is going to be lifestyle inspiration and measuring. So I want to do all those three, those three things as quickly as possible. Um, if they have Pinterest boards or things like that, we will review them. We'll talk about their lifestyle and I will measure that. So from there, I'm going to put together. Um, so I'll somewhere in there. Then after that, it'd be sit and see. We're going to talk about comfortability, depths of seats, fabrics they like, all of those things. And then meeting three is going to be concepts and finalizing the budget. So within concepts, I'm going to have like a PowerPoint that show the directions I'm heading in. There's, you know, textured wallpaper with this style of bed and, you know, some images that I pulled from their Pinterest board that I'm really leaning towards this direction and also their space planning document. And so we're going to go over formal budget, the space planning, the concepts in that third meeting and finalize that. And then from there, I'm going to go to final presentation. So, and then sometime in there, I'll probably have trade day. Like if I'm doing electrical work, wallpaper, refinishing floors, painting, at some point in there, before I get to the final presentation, I'll have trade day so I can put those bids into the budget. Okay. Yeah. And so your lifestyle and supposed stuff, how long is that meeting? Or it's it- usually, so I, it, t- it usually takes about an hour and a half and then another, depending on how many rooms we're doing an hour for me to measure. So I could be there for two and a half hours. Okay. I do Cause for me, the more amount of time I like to break it up into how many times I can be with them. Cause they're only going to have so much stamina to talk, to talk sure. about things. Yeah. You got to like get what you can out of them, give them a break, meet with them again, because they're going to keep revealing little tidbits about themselves. And a lot of clients will say, Oh, well, here's what, um, I think I really, you know, I had one client with the renovation, you know, he was like, Oh, I really want it to be very warm, but very minimalistic and modern and this and that. And, you know, creams and browns. And then we started getting into the discovery process a little bit more. And he liked white polished floors and white walls with dark, you know, wood accents. I was like, well, that doesn't match your creams and warm, you know, warm porcelain style floors. Like that's a little bit different. So it's like, they kind of reveal themselves in each meeting, which kind of gives me enough information. Like by the time I get to final presentation, I feel like I've gotten to know them enough to make those decisions. So I like to meet with them, you know, three times minimum before I get to really finalizing those things. So I can get as much, you know, get as much of their personality as I can. I love that very much. Uh, Okay. So, okay. Then you have this sit and see, right? Yes. And then, so you, like you said, you meet at a local showroom and how long would that one be? Usually an hour, usually an hour. So the showroom that I work with, I typically arrive about 15 minutes early. The showroom I work with, their furniture changes out constantly. So I'll walk around the showroom and pick out a few different styles of sofas. Not so much the style of it, but like the depth, right? Like one's going to be really deep with an extra cushy um, seat. And one's going to be a little shorter that may be a little bit more formal and this. And so we're going to sit in these different styles So I can figure out, like, I know people say, okay, well, if they're shorter, they're going to want a seat depth of 21 to, you know, 22 inches. And if they're a little taller, maybe 24 inches. 
But for me, I've had people who are shorter and because they curl up their feet on the sofa and they're very loungy, even though it's their quote unquote formal living room, they're going to want a deeper seat and they're going to want that extra cushy, you know, couch fill. And so it's just important. I'm like, sit like you would naturally, you know, I don't have a formula. I'm like, sit in the sofa, like you would at your house. Do you put your feet up? What's your, you know, what's it going to be like? Don't just sit down and, you know, oh, this is comfortable. I'm like, if you're at your house in your living room, what do you sit like? And they're like, oh, I curl my feet up and I lean over. So I want a higher arm and this and that. And that's not something they're going to go through in an inspiration meeting because that's not where their brain is. Yeah. You can ask them what they like and you can measure their current sofa and they can tell you what they dislike about it. But if you get them somewhere in a different environment, I feel like their brain works differently. And they uh, have the ability to like express things that they may not express in their own home, which is another reason why I don't like to have presentations in their home. I prefer to take them somewhere else. I feel like they're, even if it's a showroom, I feel like they're more receptive to change when they're not like in the environment that they can, they control most often. Yeah, I like that. Another thing I like about that whole sit and see is they might even go like, oh, I really love that. Like something that you might not have thought of and it helps, it helps you understand what they're drawn to and yeah i know some designers like they're like don't do that you're gonna take them to a showroom and they're gonna get all these ideas and they're gonna want to shop for furniture and i like really and i understand that everyone has their own thing it's just what's worked for me yeah i go in with them and i tell them up front we're not here to shop you can see things that you like in style you know you're gonna see things that you don't like we're only here for comp you know to find what's comfortable that is it and they're like okay i'm like even if you think it's ugly but you think it's really comfortable, I'm going to take that information and plug that into a sofa that is aesthetically within, you know, our range and the comfortability that you like. And so that gives them like, okay, what are we doing here? And so it's worked for me, but that's just part of my process. And is that showroom a retail or trade only? They are trade only. So there are certain lines that I haven't been able to gain access to, like Theodore Alexander, Renee Caceres, Hickory Chair that I like to order from. So I use those higher end lines and I order through the showroom and then the more entry level stuff, row precedent for hands, Gabby home. I order through my own accounts. Yeah. Um, it's that way. Everyone's happy. Yeah. I like that. Okay. And then, okay. So two and a half hours for the lifestyle meeting thing. Yeah. Then you have an hour for your sit and see potentially. Yeah. Then we are doing the, you're going to talk, you're going to meet with them to take them through initial concepts in your floor plan. Probably another hour, hour and a half, and then maybe an hour for trade day. Okay. And then amongst that, what's that? I think that's like right around like six hours or so. But if we're doing like a ton of rooms, it may be a little bit more. Exactly. Okay. And then, but then in addition to that, you have like your time to actually put together the floor plan. Yes. Right? So yeah. So space planning is going to be a few, you know, a couple hours, depending on what we're doing. If it's a single room, I can usually knock it out in an hour or so, depending on how long, if it's a funny room, it may need some work, yeah. probably an hour and a half. And then putting together the inspiration or concepts, you know, it takes maybe an hour or two. So there is those times to put together the PowerPoint and kind of pull things together and decide the direction I'm going and get a feel for that. Yeah, so I typically sure. work, that's for me outside of the discovery process. That's yeah. just like the six hours is kind of like the meetings that I have with them in person. Okay. I mean, yeah, we're and already at 10 hours. Yeah, we're already yeah, at 10 right? hours, right? So the like whole you thing. said earlier, right? Ten out, yeah. So I mean, if you're doing 30 hours a room minimum, you're doing 10 hours for the discovery, 
minimum 10 or so hours, you know, probably 10 or so hours for sourcing, maybe 10 hours. And then if you have an install for eight hours, I mean, that's 28 plus ordering, receiving, that's very, you know, that's why it's 30 hours a room. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and I'm really happy be, to hear this. 40. Yeah, exactly. Custom drapes. You got to, you know, be at wallpaper. You got to be there for a couple hours to check the wallpaper. Yeah. Meet the, you know, meet the drapery workroom to install. You're going to be there for an hour. I mean, that's yeah. three hours. It gets out there really fast. And, and I feel like I really like this process. I might uh, start implementing it. I, I really like Maybe it. Maybe I'll put it into like a little, um, like, I, I have a process document that shows like steps that I send to my clients. Um, if you want, I can send that to you and you can share it or just not share it. That's up to you. Um, <laughs> I, that's I mean, it's up to you really. I'll share it. Um, I don't mind. I mean, I really don't mind sharing these documents because I understand that people, if it's going to give them a boost and it's going to help them have it. Yeah. Right. Like I had people in the Facebook groups asking for my good, better and best Excel sheet. And I want to say I sent it to like 15 people. And I'm like, here you go. This is part of lifting up our community. And if this helps, you know, some other designers, I'm glad to do it. I'm, you know, totally. someone did it at some point. Yeah. And somewhere along the way, I got a document that helped me. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay. No, that's amazing. And I really like that. I think I'm going to implement some of this, this thinking into my next few projects. Cause yeah. I think that early understanding and, and really trying to, cause I think, one of the things I want to start focusing on more making, you know, a philosophy mind is just making sure that people's homes feel like an extension of their personality and yeah. not like in an obvious way, but that does take a level of understanding who a person is. And you can't do that in, you know, these short meetings. Yeah. Do you ever have clients who are just like really busy business people who struggle with having to invest this time up front with you? Yeah, it can be really hard, but I try to like, I'm, I'm flexible with my schedule. I do meet with people on Wednesdays and Thursdays, like up until like seven 30. Um, so they do need to meet in the weeks. I can meet in, in the evenings and I'll take appointments on Saturdays between like 11 and three. So I do try to be a little bit flexible because I understand if they're, you know, doctors and they're working till five o'clock or six o'clock, they're, you know, nine to five, they can't meet during the week, but I still want to be able to work with them because those are the professionals I'm targeting so I do try to have a couple of days where they can meet with me in the evenings and it's usually been okay, but I have to say like, look, this is an investment. You're about to spend 30 grand on this living room. You, we have to put in the time to make sure it's right. Yeah. And I'm, and these are non-refundable items. So if we don't put that time in and you don't like it, yeah. well, you know, we have to understand that this is a commitment and they usually yeah. are understanding. And if I they, like if they don't want to do that, I'm like, here you go, sign this contract. And you understand that, you know, I'm doing what I can for you, but I've never had that happen. Everyone yeah. puts in time. Yeah. Um, I Sometimes I get some people who I know are just busy and they don't have the patience for it. It's rare, but and it does yeah. happen from time to time. Well, I feel like um, that was good. I, that was long. Yeah. I can't believe how fast that felt. It went really fast. I hope we covered everything. <laughs> We didn't, but we'll just have to do it again. Oh my God. Yeah. We were, I was like, I want to talk about photo shoots and styling and oh my God. Like, I want to talk about, oh, we should just do it again. It's, it's that's yeah. part three. That's oh my God. Part three literally could be a whole thing about photo shoots because I just that's started working funny. with a stylist and that could be a giant podcast on just that. I love it. I love it so much. Okay. So we're going to wrap up because, um, 
you know, probably people can't handle more than an hour and a half. But yeah. uh, tell everybody, well, what, what should people be, by the time this goes live, what should be they be looking for when they want to find you on Instagram? Um, so it would be jacobmedina.id. So Jacob Medina, you know, I interior design. Uh, and then my my website will be jacob-medina. Uh, so I'm just rebranding under my name as much as possible. And then on Facebook, it would be the same thing. It'd be, you know, Jacob Medina interior design. And then I don't really have any other social medias. That would just be the three or the two. Isn't he freaking lovely? Oh, God. So many people I meet, I just, I'm so sad. It's so many Americans that, I, I mean, will I ever meet them? I hope so, obviously, at market sometime. But I hope he did say maybe, maybe he might need to come make a trip to Toronto. And we would do that whole drag queen bingo, which was so much fun. Anyways, guys, if you enjoyed this episode, leave me a review because it's helpful. I'm still working on getting some big names in here, guys. I got some cool stuff lined up. I am pretty bummed to say the least. Um, yeah, leave me a review. Tell a friend, do me a favor, tell one friend, tell two friends, tell somebody about the podcast because we want to keep this baby growing, right? And if you, um, you know, want to follow along behind the scenes of the journey, which is my Facebook group, Real Talk Design with Michelle Bennett. This is where I share stuff that is nowhere else. Like, because it's behind closed doors, it's, it's really the behind the scenes stuff where I can't really say it anywhere else. And I really try to stay true to the whole point of that group is me just tracking the journey of, you know, reinventing myself, um, three years ago. And, it's, it's really great because a lot of people connect to that and are also people who are trying to start a business with no, um, you know, after being self-taught. If you want inspiration in your inbox, real talk, real short, go to michellebennett.com slash real talk, sign up, and I'm going to send you, for the most part, let's call it 99% of the time, it's pretty short, um, just some stuff that keeps me going. And I think that's it. Follow me on Instagram, realtalkdesign.podcast. Uh, follow my my Instagram, michellebennett.design, and that's all for now. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Well, I can't see, wait to see your, your new website and your new logo. I'm excited. I know. Okay, so I might have some more questions. I feel like I might have had some more questions about... Um, that I might uh, just DM you when I think of them. Because something yeah, I'm yeah. thinking like I might DM them that later and ask them that. But I hope that one day we get to meet in real life. I really want to come to Canada in general because I, I'm like, I want to live there. It seems like this magical place. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I want to make a trip up there. Maybe I'll do like New York and Canada. Or so. Are you on that side, right? I'm in Toronto. So um, I'm like... I'm not, I mean, we're not that far from, we're probably like 10 hours from New York. Oh, uh, I was thinking you were closer, but I'll just, I'll just come to Toronto. Yeah, come to Toronto. It would be fun. And we can go hit like some bars and, oh, that Church Street place, the, uh, um, the yeah. drag queen bingo. Absolutely. We need to do that. Yes. All of that. And then we'll go hit up some great places. I don't, I don't ever go out anymore because like you said earlier, I'm old because I'm, I'm in my 40s. Oh my God. I'm 32 and I'm in, I'm in bed by 1030 oh, I know. or 10 o'clock every day. It's madness. I, but everything- like, let's go out and be up till two o'clock. I was like, yeah, that's not going to happen. God, no. God, no. I love sleep. And I feel like I value sleep so much because I'm like, if I get a good night's sleep, then I have a productive day. 
And, yeah. you know, I still like to drink the booze, but I, I take it away more easy. And those, like, it's so far and few between because I just think I don't want to be hungover tomorrow because that's a complete waste of my day. My hangovers are two days. If I get drunk on Friday, I'm like barely feeling normal by like Sunday afternoon, which means I was just dead to the world for two days. Yeah, and, and then it's the anxiety, like the the drinking, the hangover anxiety of like, what am I doing? You don't get to enjoy your weekend. You know, oh. it's like you, yeah, that's at least, that's my opinion, yeah. I agree. I mean, I remember when those were not feelings that I had, but I'm, I, it's funny, I look, Dave has a friend who, I mean, he's he's your age, but he still likes to party hard. And do, Yeah, I mean, on Wednesdays and Fridays at the office, I usually crack a bottle of wine around 3.30 or <laughs> and have a glass to finish out the day. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I try to keep it pretty, pretty minimal or toned. Yeah, I just, I just cannot. And I don't, I don't, I don't miss those days at all. I'm so done. 